0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective broadcast with Dr. David O. Ogaga. Romans fourteen, verse seventeen to eighteen. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. As it says, "For he that in these things sabbeth Christ is acceptable to God." Unapproved of men. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, last week also, we kind of stopped at the point at which we are looking at uh, the case of uh, conscience. How many of you remember that? Conscience was the key thing we were looking at last week. And, uh, you know, Paul we speak in... Act 24, verse 16, that we want to have a conscience vote of offense towards God and towards man. Can you remember that? That was the last thing. So, uh, today, I want to continue from the area of the conscience. don't you forget, what has it got to do with the kingdom? We have been explaining that the meat and drink, which has to do with the Judaistic worship or Jewish worship, uh, can only affect your physical body, cleanse your physical body, but it can't touch your conscience. Amen? And then we try to explain from the scriptures well, that, fairly going from Hebrews chapter 9 and Hebrews chapter 10, that the blood of Jesus in the new order of sacrifice touches and cleans your conscience to serve the living God instead of staying on with dead works. So we find that the Jewish concept of worship can't really bring you to the place of true worship in terms of, Conscience, but it can give you, if you will, the natural righteousness, the outward righteousness, the physical righteousness, but it can give you the true righteousness of God, which has to do with the conscience of men. Hallelujah. And we try to explain that true worship has to do with conscience. The Bible talks about those who come to the place of maturity in God who can discern between good and evil. Amen. And we say conscience is that which leads you to be able to discriminate uh, between that which is right and that which is wrong. And we also try to explain very precisely that from the book of Hebrews that the the Gentiles who do not have the law, I mean Romans, the Gentiles who do not have the law but do the things of the law, uh, they are conscious either excusing or permitting them their law to themselves. Amen? And so we see precisely that conscience has a lot to do with our worship, and that is what enables you to know when you are wrong and when you are right. And we also read that from the Book of First John, which us that if our heart condemns not, then I will write with God. That—that that is the function of the conscience. Okay, so I want to continue from there tonight and make us see uh, the consequences of a seared conscience. What I mean is seared conscience, I'm talking about a conscience that is not responsive anymore. A conscience that is dead. A conscience that cannot be influenced by either the word of God or the spirit of God. Or even men's advice. Sometimes people can cancel you. The Bible spoke to us and tells us that somebody like Ahithophel, this cancer, was like the oracle of God. Amen. And so, but we come to a place where our conscience becomes dead, that even when God is speaking, or man is canceling us. We don't take to such counsel because our conscience is dead, is snared. Anyway, let's read the scripture on this. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse number 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4 from verse number 1. Hallelujah. Here yeah, the scripture says, 1 Timothy 4, verse number 1. Now, the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirit and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Did you get that? seared conscience with a hot iron now how many of you have ever received wound once uh we don't have our medical people here but if you use a hot object on your skin and uh, perhaps it was deep and finally got healed we often call that a scar is that okay right now you realize that sometimes if it doesn't heal well even if it does heal well sometimes the place becomes so toughened that you don't necessarily get much feelings from there. Are you getting that? Yeah. Um, as compared to your other part of the skin, if, if you prick it both ways, I mean both spots, you find that the one that you have that scar on, you don't have much feeling. It's like it's a little bit dead. In other words, it's no longer sensitive. That's what it means. So it's like saying there are some people whose conscience have been branded with a hot iron that they don't have feelings anymore. Are you there? Good. So that's what I mean, seared. Uh, actually, the, the Greek word is kota-resol, result is to brand by implication to render unsensitive. Sear with a hot iron. You become unsensitive. We're talking of People whose conscience is now very unsensitive to the things of God, to the spirit of God, to the counsel even of men. Things that are genuinely real about God, they are no longer responding to it. The heart a seared conscience. They are not moved by time in terms of maybe I'm late. They are not moved by what is god saying they're not moved by what is the preaching all about their conscience is just dead something happened to it now i'm trying to make you see as we read on you're going to see the consequences of having such a conscience as a believer praise the lord okay now let's go down furthermore those with, with this uh, seared conscience, let's see how they respond to certain things. And mind you, they were already teaching some things, these guys with seared conscience. And don't you forget, most of these people, I'm going to make you see them much later. I'll give you an example of two of them. They were actually Jewish believers who have come to the place of a seared conscience. And now they were promulgating several doctrines which is contrary to what they were supposed to be teaching. Okay, verse 3 said, Forbidden to marry, are you still there with me? 1 Timothy 4, forbidden to marry and command to abstain from meat which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them who believe and know the truth. Amen. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Hallelujah. Every creature of God is good. And to be received with thanksgiving, and the Bible says, it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, this is an apostolic understanding. You must understand what apostolic doctrine is. Apostolic doctrine basically is centered on the word of God and prayer. Remember what he said in the book of Acts? He so said, We can't see ourselves getting engaged with this having of table. Let's get 70 or uh, what they call it, Dickens, so that we can give ourselves to the world and prayers. That's basically what we call apostolic doctrine. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Okay. Now, verse 6. If thou put the bread in the remembrance of these things, now Paul is speaking to Timothy, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Okay? Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. In other words, you've come up to this place to know this truth, that those things that these people will say conscious are teaching is not sound doctrine. Alright? I'm going to be reading this from a very simpler translation so that perhaps we can catch it a little bit. Now I'm trying to make you see those who said self-conscious, what they teach, what, what they, what they propagate. You should be able to know when you see such people that this man is no longer in faith. Let me put it in quotes. Because these people were actually believers, but they were going back to Jewish teachings and bringing other doctrines that are not Christ-centered. Okay? And it's like you can't get them back to start believing the right thing. Okay, watch this. First Timothy, again, I'm still reading. I want to read it from the message translation now. Uh, And it says this. The Spirit makes it clear that as time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions put forth by professional liars. I like that. Demonic delusions. Now, Doctrines of devils, I want you to understand this. When, I have always said that, but when your emphasis is on demon, there is something wrong with your doctrine. Alright? And it leads you to several and so many other things. Because you find that on the final analysis, everything you see in people, you attach the demon to it. Okay, all right. So, watch this. Now, get this right again. Sometimes I remember when I was younger, the faith. I was told, a first Timothy four is a sign of the end times." Okay, but in the true sense, First Timothy four is what happens to Christians, not the world. Hallelujah. Okay, watch this. In a cell, this it clear that time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions. When you say give up on the faith, it means you had it before. Is that okay? All right. Uh, put forth by professional liars. Number two, these liars have lied so well and for so long that they have lost their capacity for truth. I like that. That's a steered conscience. They've lied so well and for so long, they've lost their capacity for truth. They can't believe truth anymore. They keep on believing the lies and every day they are churning more doctrines out. Praise the Lord. They will tell you not to get married. Begin to see the kind of things they teach. Marriage is sin. Marriage is forbidden by God. They will tell you not to get married. And I told you before that we have issues like this that God has to help us to help some people come out of. It. Because they said the higher life is never to get married. And they preach what is called celibacy. But you see, celibacy is a gift that can be given to some people. When the Bible says, uh, Jesus was speaking, some made themselves eunuchs, some made eunuchs, and some, or whatever, as the case may be. Uh, eunuch If you truly take time to study that, you find that in the early courts, when we look at the word courts, that is the king's courts, those who were taking care of the king's uh, palace and family, most of them were castrated so that they don't have affairs with the children of the king. Those those were made eunuch by men. But there are some people that God have called to themselves because of missionary activities and family responsibility would draw them back. God gave them the gift never to get married. Example of that was supposed to be Apostle Paul. But basically we do know that Apostle Paul got married somewhere along the line because you can't be a Pharisee of that high order without a family. You are not qualified to be. Every high Pharisee of his caliber in that circle was supposed to have been married, supposed to have raised a family. And basically a Jewish father gives you a wife, gives you a home, gives you a trade. These are the three things that every Jewish parent gives to the children. So there's nothing to indicate that Paul was never married. We want to believe that Paul got married along the line. He lost the wife, as the case may be, got into ministry, but God forbade him with grace never go back to get married because of what he was going to do. You know how he was traveling all over the world. If you have a family, it becomes an irresponsible man to be traveling without your family to such an extent. Am I communicating to somebody? All right. So, teaching that you don't get married is one of those uh, things that the Bible referred to as a delusion. Okay. Then he went further to say, they will tell you not to eat this or that food. No, classified food again. And you remember, it's not meat and drink. Are you following what I'm saying now? The kingdom of God is not what meat and drink. Now they will tell you, don't eat, don't eat that. That's what Paul is saying. It's not kingdom of God is not about don't eat this or don't eat that. Are, is that making sense? Okay. Perfectly good food, God created to be eaten heartily and with thanksgiving by Christians. Furthermore, verse four, everything God created is good and to be received with thanks. Nothing is to be snared at and thrown out. God's word and our prayers make everything, every item in creation holy. God's word and our prayers make every item in creation holy. Amen. Verse 6. You've been raised on the message of the faith. Paul is speaking to Timothy now. And I follow sound teachings. Now pass on this counsel to the Christians there, and you will be a good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories. I'm continuing, verse seven. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. As excising daily in God, as daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. He's giving an instruction. No spiritual flabbiness. In you know other words, you know what it means to be flabby, huh? To be reduced. To come down, okay. What workouts in the gymnasium is useful, going to gym. But a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. Verse 9. You can count on this. Take it to heart, verse 10. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We are banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. Amen? Okay, so this is the, the picture of a snared conscience. When your conscience is snared, these are the kind of things you come into. Basically, it simply means when you have a snare conscience, you can't believe truth anymore. Amen? Hallelujah. You go on repeating some of those things that are not supposed to be taught. Now let's get down to Titus. What is our role as Christian ministers? Because Paul says, he was speaking to Timothy, if you can put people in remembrance, then you are a good minister of Jesus Christ. A good minister of the gospel of Jesus. If you can put people in remembrance of these things that I'm teaching you, then you're going to be a good minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By implication, sorry to say, we can have bad ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Am I correct? Yeah. Because like these people, mind you, those who are teaching this thing, they were supposed to be believers. So we have bad ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also have good ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What qualifies one then into these categories is either, I mean basically what you teach, what you propagate... What was the kind of liberty people get when you teach or when they listen to your message? Are they getting back more into bondage, or they are getting liberty because of what you preach? All right, Titus chapter one. What is our role as Christian ministers? Titus one verse number seven. I read. For a bishop, not be blameless. as a steward of God. Not self-willed. Not so angry. Not giving to wine. Not striker. Not giving to filthy locker. But a lover of hospitality. A lover of good men. Sober. Just. Holy. Temperate. Amen. Holding fast the faithful world. As he had been taught. That he may be able by sound doctrine. But to exalt. And to convince the gainsayers for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers especially they of the second session what are the second session the Jewish believers whose smart will be stopped whose survived whole houses teaching things which they ought not to for filthy local sake watch that Why are they teaching the thing they are teaching? Because of what they can get out of the people. And when it says sovereignty whole houses, we have ministers from the record you see here who go to families to propagate specific doctrines which are not Christ-centered, not to give freedom to the people, but to put them in captivity in a way and because they make money out of that. Hallelujah. Okay. Now verse 12 It's like as I'm saying Some of you can begin to see Some of the things that are going on today Around us and within our communities Ministers who go to people's homes Maybe they say one vision They say one of that They say one of that You know if you know, I can tell you what God is saying about your life Everything that we ever tell you is How much the devil wants to kill you And then maybe how much sacrifices you need to make In terms of how much money you need to get You need to see some seed to be able to get freedom Amen Hey are we together yeah, this is the same group of people. You have always been there. Verse 12. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own said, the Cretans are hell, always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Huh? Okay, verse 13. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that it may be... That they may be sound in the faith, not giving it to Jewish fables. Can you see the emphasis? And commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is not impure. But even their mind their conscience is world, defiled. Did you get that? Even their conscience is world, defiled. The thing they propagate come from a defiled conscience. Then I also believe that the people the minister to often get defiled as well. Okay? Because what we receive gets into their conscience and they begin to think along that line. Their motivation in terms of their conscience is based on what they've received from these people whose conscience is defiled. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. Now, so. I want you to see the picture we we're looking at. Don't, don't you forget what Paul said? Like I said before, in the beginning, in Acts chapter twenty-four, verse sixteen, what did he say? He says, "Here he I he says, myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and who, and towards men." Praise the living God. Amen. Okay. So, all that we have gone through, this picture from Timothy and Titus we've read, is a picture of men whose consciences have been branded. Hypocritical preachers or ministers. Okay. As far as God is concerned, their own doctrine can't bring men to Christ. Rather, they want to put them in subjections new bondage. Keep them in the perpetual realm where I would say the life of these people will be centered on whatever they tells them, whatever they want them to believe, and they never grow beyond that level. Praise the Lord. Alright. Okay, so uh You see, when you talk about bad conscience, bad conscience is uh, in the same family with hypocrisy. A hypocrite is somebody with a bad conscience because the conscience is more responsive to truth and to life. Are you getting that? Are we together? Yeah. They live a hypocritical life because their conscience is dead. Truth is not affecting them. Neither can do receive truth. In any way, just like faith and good conscience goes together. A good conscience, they might have the right faith based on the right doctrine. Hallelujah. Okay, so I just want you to see that. Now, I want us to uh, get a few examples of these people I would like to mention to you. Uh, But turn again to Titus chapter 3. Let's look at something. These are still kind of Jewish believers, hectic, and men who are not going to go with the truth. Uh, Titus chapter 3, let's look at verse 9 and then 11. Chapter 9, I mean chapter 3, 9 to 11. But avoid have foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and the second admonition reject. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinned, being condemned of himself. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, turn very quickly to the book of Acts, chapter 13. Let me still read a few things here. The hectic believers. These are the same people with snake conscience. They are always after genealogies in the days of Paul. Hey man, you are not a Jewish person. Hey, you can, you can walk here. Oh, you don't belong to us. You don't have our blood group, whatever. You know, these are healthy people. Jewish selves. Okay. Uh, Act 13. Let me read something to you here before I go to example of these guys. Act 13. Let's look at verse 44 to 46. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy. Now Paul was to speak now. Is that okay? And spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas was bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it off from you and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. The heretic. Hmm? Those who don't want to come to the new place of life. You know, we have the same thing going on today. People who don't want to receive uh, truth, will always telling, well, that's not the way we're taught. That's not the way our fathers preached it. That's not the way that big man of God is preaching it. They won't come to the place of truth. Right? And Paul is saying, well, if you find such a man, maybe the best you can do is to pray for the individual. Because there is even much you can do. Most often, such people, they are conscious, is said with a hot iron. Hallelujah. You see, like what happened in, I won't mention the name, but when we're in Malaysia, we spoke about Father's house and a few other things, was the kingdom of God, scripturally, properly explained. But we have a fellow here from Nigeria, belongs to one of the big churches, He has to he has to call the the man that put up the meeting and place, can you excuse me from coming to the meeting the next day? Because I can't receive those things that are being taught. I wasn't taught that in my country. See, these are the heretic we're talking about. What is big in just like we know, father's house and many mansions, simple thing that anybody where people were jumping and being happy for, but this guy will not. That belongs to one of the major denominations and they've been properly taught about this demon thing and all of those kind of stuff so they wouldn't even receive. I don't even know even if maybe perhaps maybe he was thinking I'm also one of those demons that came there. Okay let's go down. I want to give you an example of men who may shipwreck up their faith because of their conscience. First Timothy 1 Example. I want to give you two examples of believers. Well oh, men with their conscience hallelujah first Timothy 1 look at verse 18 to 20 and then we're going to look at second Timothy again but first Timothy 1 18 this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare Holding faith and a good conscience. You see, faith and a good conscience goes together. Is that okay? All right. Quid some have put away concerning faith have made what shipwreck. All right. I want you to see this. Of whom is who? Hermenus and Alexander. Whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Hermenus and Alexander. They may shipwreck of their faith. Now, Go down to um, I will not take this room. Okay, let's get down to 2 Timothy 2. Now, how many are Alexander were believers, they were supposed to be Christians. Okay. Where's the Bible? Okay. Are we there? 2 Timothy 2. Right, 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for there we increase unto more ungodliness, and the well we eat as doth a conquer of womens who art, hymenus and, and philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrew the fate of some. Praise the Lord. Amen? Okay. Now, I don't want to deal with the issue of resurrection. Uh, you can read, you can find the book, uh, Resurrection, Hope, Is No Rapture. We'll try to explain all of that. and Even though I believe this question was treated in that book. So I'm, I'm not going to explain that. Hallelujah. But I want you to see these two people who have come to this level. Now, everything they were trying to do was to stand against the truth. That Paul and others were preaching. Philetus was there, Alexander was there, Hymenus was there. They were believers, and of course they were Jewish believers. Are we together? Okay. Now, Hymenus basically was a member of the church. He, was, he belonged to the church in Ephesus. Alright? And then uh, Alexander also was also a prominent guy in the church in Ephesus. Now, if you look at Acts chapter 19, verse 33 and so, you find that this Alexander, the copper smith, as the case may be, he was one among those that was sent. He was a Jewish believer. But when they wanted to revolt against Paul, he was the one that was leading the Jewish group to speak against Paul. It's like saying, speaking to the efficient people that, man, you don't need to believe this guy. He is telling lies. we are Jewish people. He's not as Jewish as we are, maybe. And uh, his teachings are not true. We have the right doctrine. Don't believe him. Alexander was one of the persons that was sent. He was the one that led the mob, the Jewish camp, to revolt against Paul. Because they would not receive the teachings of Paul and they would not want other people to do what? To receive same. They got a set conscience. But these were supposed to be believers. I can keep on emphasizing they were supposed to be in the church. So, most people who come to the place of self conscience, they're actually believers, not unbelievers. Does that make sense? Praise the Lord. Okay. So, now, one of the reasons the Jewish people place them in the front is to be able to give support to some of the Ephesians or those in Ephesus who will not believe Paul. So, it's like saying, hey, we're saying the truth. If what he's saying is the truth, how come these Jewish people are saying what he's saying is not the truth? So, Alexander and these people were kind of being used to affront the fact that what Paul was teaching was not true. Okay? All right. So, now these are men with snared conscience that we need to understand. If you take time to read the book of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32, Paul was saying that he wrestled with the beast in Ephesus. In other words, the beasts were not just tigers and leopards and all that kind of thing, but a lot of people whose hearts were snared, who were not allowing the world to go through. He was wrestling with this thing. First Corinthians 15, verse 32, you can find that. All right, praise the Lord. So, we have Alexander the Coppersmith and all of that. Now, you need to understand about resurrection, like I said before. You know, we have this camp of people also, the Sadducees, who said there is no resurrection. Remember that? And they came to Jesus in Mark chapter 12 and say, Hey, there is this woman that had uh, several husbands and they all died and the resurrection. Whose wife is she going to be? Remember that? And Jesus tried to explain what it means, uh, the issue of resurrection unto them. Okay. Now, let's look at the consequences of a set conscience. The consequences of a set conscience. If you are a believer and you've come to the place of a set conscience, what happens to you? Uh, because these people we are talking about, they were believers, but they fell into the state of a set conscience. So let's look at Romans chapter 1, and we're going to be reading from verse 19 to the end. <coughs> Romans 1, 19 to the end, if you will. Uh, I would probably like to read this from the. Let me read from the 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 message translation as well. Romans one, the consequences of a sad conscience. Are we together? Bible says, but God's angry displeasure erupts as out of human mistrust. Are wrongdoings. Lying accumulates as people try to put a shroud over truth. Verse 19. But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes, and there it is. Verse 20. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes, as such, can see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of his divine being. So, nobody has a good excuse. What happened was this now. You know what he's trying to say? You can't say there is no God. That merely looking at the creation, you can see the eternal power of God. Is that all right? You look at the trees, look at the birds, look at the rivers. Everything look at the sky, you can see that there must be God. In other words, creation speaks volume. Like the book of Psalm we saying, it said, even the creation, the farmer man declares the glory of God. So when you look at the creation, you can see God's glory. In other words, there is no excuse for any man to say there is no God. But merely looking at creation, you can say the hard writing that God exists. That's what He's trying to say. Is that alright? Okay. Now but what happened? Why would people not believe? Now watch this. I'm dealing with remember a said conscience. We dealt with the Hebrew and the Jewish people. They left the true faith, begin to teach other things because they would not believe the truth. Remember that? Okay. They've gone beyond believing in truth because they've been alive for so long. They've come to believe all manner of things. Now, how does it apply to you today as a believer? The same principle happens when your said conscience begins to function in you. There are things you can no longer believe for. In God and about God. Let's look at verse 21 now. But what happened. Was this. People knew God perfectly well. But when they didn't treat him like God. Refusing to worship him. They trivialized themselves into silliness. Are we together? And confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. And verse number 22. Hallelujah. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. Verse 23. They treated the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hand for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. And verse 24. So God said, in effect, if that is what you want, that's what you get. It wasn't long before they went living in pig pen. Big pen, dirty lifestyle. You know, pigs live in dirty atmosphere. Is that okay? Alright. Smear with feet, feet inside and out. And all this because they traded the true God for a fake God and worship the God they made instead of the God who made them. And the next thing says, The God was blessed. The God who blesses us. Oh, yes. Now verse 26. was followed? Refusing to know God. They soon don't know how to be human either. Women don't know how to be women. Men don't know how to be men. Sexually confused. They abuse and defile one another. Women with women. Men with men. All lost no love. And then they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it? Emptied of God and love. Godless and lawless wretches. Hallelujah. Verse 20 here since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. Verse 29. And then all hell broke loose, rampant evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. They made life hell on earth with their envy. Wanton killing, bickering and cheating. Look at them. Mean spirited, venomous, fog thongs, uh, God Bashers That's hatred of God now Praise the living God Bullies Swaggers Unsufferable bags. They keep inventing new ways of Wrecking lies They teach parents when they get on the way Stupid Silly, cruel Cold blooded And it's not as if they don't know better Hallelujah. Are we there? They know perfectly well. They are spitting in God's face. And they don't care what. They hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. Hallelujah. Now I would like you to go back and read it yourself. And you see what I'm saying. That when men begin to have set conscience, this is what finally follows. Praise the living God? This is what finally follows. See, now think about a situation where because of political gain on power, a president of a nation is endorsing gay rights. This is what I'm saying. Said conscience. is all over the place. Now, he's getting more votes, he's getting more money because he simply will give gay rights to everybody just because of power. What is the bottom line? It said conscience. That's what I'm saying. You can't believe truth anymore. When you begin to walk in this dimension, every kind of false life you live to you is right. Because your conscience is said, you can't distinguish between good and evil. So it's not just a matter of Jewish people. It's not a matter of some people who believe yesterday. It's even what is happening today. That's what I'm saying. So God's kingdom is not a banner of food and drink. What I'm saying here is, it doesn't have any bearing to do with this is what you must do, this one what you must do in terms of Jewish religion. Okay. Because as we go on, we are saying when you come to God's kingdom, your conscience has to be alive. That's the difference. So the man with the meat and drink system is outward righteousness. Are you there? But to the man who is in God's kingdom, is inward righteousness. That have to do with the conscience of the man. So when your conscience is alive, because you are in the kingdom, you can be able to distinguish between good and evil when it is being practiced. For further information and message order, please call plus two three four eight zero three four eight one zero eight six nine, 10869 Or you can visit our website at www.gkai.net. God bless you.